Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I really had a burden to preach a message which I called In Him. And I have even um, told some unsafe friends of mine, you need to listen to that. Because I really believe it's a great message for today. But I was talking about, for those of you who weren't here, I was talking about the Apostle Paul. And when the Apostle Paul lived, he was a persecutor of Christians. He was, I suppose, kind of like an ISIS thing. Like he was going to wipe out the Christians. These people needed to be destroyed. These people needed to be killed. He was very uh, well-versed in doctrine, in religion, and he wanted to destroy the Christians, and he was hell-bent on doing that. In fact, he was there when Stephen was on his knees being stoned, and heavens opened. And he saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Stephen was crying out, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I see heaven open. I mean, he must have seen those things and heard those things and and been wondering about those things. But on one day on the road to Damascus, he's going along and he has this encounter with this brilliant bright light. He falls to his knees. He's blinded by this bright light. And he says, who are you? Who are you? And he hears a voice say, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. His whole life is turned around at that moment in time. I want to tell you, when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, not when you have a religious experience, not when you go to church, not when you say the sinner's prayer, but when you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same. And if you have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, you know, we, wouldn't have to, we won't have to chase you up and say, are you coming to church this week? We haven't seen you for two weeks. How would you like to do the new Christians course? How would you like? Because I know when Pastor Phil and I were saved through a direct encounter with Jesus Christ, that no one had to chase us up. We were banging the church door down before it opened to get in. We were there the earliest. We left the latest. We were, we were like big sponges. We were trying to suck everything in that we could get in. And you know what? It hasn't changed. In 35 years of knowing Christ, I'm still like a big, fat sponge. I'm just like, it's not enough. It's never enough. I want you. And when you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you need to position yourself for more encounters. You need to position yourself for more of God. You need to position yourself. So Paul did this. You know, he had this encounter with Christ and we think, is that the thing that turned him around? Is that the thing that made him, you know, after that, preach the gospel, being beat, being tortured, being jailed, being bitten by snakes, being shipwrecked. I mean, he was close to death. In fact, I'm sure that some scholars say he did die and was raised from the dead at one stage. Like he just gave his life for this and gave 68 years, 68 AD, he was beheaded finally. And he gave everything. But he didn't say, they took me out. He said, no, I've finished my race. I've done what I needed to do and I've finished 
my race. In other words, it's okay. I know I'm going home. God had already told him he was going. He was prepared to go. I finished my race. It's my time and I'm cool to go. He says, to die is, is gain. For me to die is gain. You know, the only reason I'm here is for you people because I've seen him. And when you've seen him, you want to be with him and nothing can stop you. And so he's turned around and then we're told that he goes and locks himself away for 14 years because he wants to get a doctrine behind what he's experienced. And so he positions himself. I'm preaching to you tonight about positioning yourself. And Paul positions himself in, and he studies the scriptures. How many of you know the book of Isaiah and Psalms and all the books speak of the Messiah coming? And so he's going to reread all this that he's seen and that he's been taught. And he's going to be reading things like Isaiah 61 and go, oh my gosh, he's here. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon him because the Lord has anointed him. It's Jesus, it's him. And he will be getting revelations about Christ and Christ has come. And for 14 years, he positions himself, he feeds himself, and he prepares himself to go out. And the one message that he gets, the one revelation that he gets is the message of in him. He gets this revelation because when he goes into Athens and he sees all the idols that are there and there's all these gods and they're all worshiping these gods and they're cutting themselves and they're, you know, every other God except Jesus demands something. Every other God demands something. You must give to me. I was in a shop yesterday and, you know, getting something and there was like an altar set up there and it's got oranges and apples and all that stuff on it. It's like these people live in fear that they even would try and appease these demonic gods because these demonic gods says, unless you give me money, unless you give me food, I'm going to come and send demons to attack your family. So they do it out of fear. Everything's out of fear. And all these gods demand, you must cut yourselves up. Other gods say, you have to sacrifice your babies. What about a God that tells you, sacrifice your babies? What about a God who tells you, you know, go and blow yourself up and a few hundred people with you and you're going to get to go to heaven and break in 17 virgins? What about the poor old virgins? I mean, really, what kind of God says that? I'll come up here and you can rape some women and that's your reward. But this God, this God, so he's got this corruption just like we are today, just like we look around and go, what is going on? Don't they see the one true living God? And he sees all these idols set up and then he sees there's a plaque and this plaque says to the unknown God. And he goes, got it. And so he gets himself up and he gets himself a platform and he said, listen to me. You have all these idols and all these gods but I see that you're ignorant because you have a, a God, a, 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 an altar here to the unknown God. And he begins to tell them, let me tell you who the unknown God is. He's the God that created the heavens and the earth. He's the God that knows you intimately. He's the God that made you. He's the one who loves you. He's the God. 
that demands nothing from you because he gives everything to you. He's the God that sent his own son to die for you so you do not have to pay a price. He is that God. And then he says this statement. In Acts 17, verse 28, he says this, For in him, in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. That's his revelation. That was the very thing that made him give his whole life because he realized that in him we live. In him we move, in him we have our being. And the reason he was explaining it to these people and they were getting it because he was explaining it in an Eastern way and there are two ways to understand God. And I'm going to add more onto this because I'm just recapping for those of you who weren't here a couple of weeks ago, so I want to add to it. There are two ways that we understand God as human beings. There is the Western way and there is the Eastern way. Who knows that the Bible is Eastern? And so when he's speaking to these people, he's speaking to Eastern mindsets. And when we preach, we often preach to Western mindsets. And so the Western way of understanding God is this. God is the big circle. Yeah, there's God. He's the big circle. And this is me. I'm that little circle underneath God. And that little circle underneath God says this, that I am separate from God, that God is above, and that God is external. And so in our Western minds, we we don't think about being in Him, we think about being separate from Him. And therefore, even as Christians, we often spend our whole Christian lives trying to reach God or trying to get God to come down or trying to get up to God. You know, Bette Midler sang that song, God is watching us from a distance. And that's our Western thinking, that God is distant and separate, and I have to work my way to Him, that I have to pray enough, that I have to pay enough, that I have to turn up enough, that I have to not sin enough, that I have to, you know, pay the price because it's our Western way of thinking like they were to those gods. We have to pay the price to these gods and we still think we have to pay a price. That's the Western way of thinking. God is there and I'm here. The Eastern way of thinking, the way the Bible was written and the revelation that Paul got was this. There is God and I am in Him. For in Him we live and we move we have our being. When you are born again, there's the terminology, born again. You know, Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can that happen? How can a man be born again? How can he go back into his mother's womb? But what Jesus was saying, I'm going to put you into the womb of God. I'm going to cut off the umbilical cord from you that attaches you to your generations, to your sin, to your past, to your pain. I'm going to cut off every generational blood tie that you have. And I am going to attach you to the umbilical cord of the living God. And I'm going to place you in the womb of God. And every 
everything that you need, every substance that you need, like beautiful Kay, we call her Mama Kay now. She's got her little baby that she's been trying to fall pregnant for so many years. I think like it's 10 years or something. 10 years she weighed baby, naturally conceived. So she's got that little baby in her, in her tummy. Now that little baby right now, if, if that baby were to come outside of Kay's body, how many, what would the chance of survival be? None. Not at this stage. Not at any stage. And so we say that we're attached to the umbilical cord of God. And that means that all the nutrition that we need, because all the nutrition this little baby needs comes from Kay. Who agrees with that? So if Kay drinks Coke, do not. That baby... How many of you know, this is a true fact, they, re, they put a recording inside of a woman's womb to listen to what it would sound like if the woman drank Coke. And it was like the loudest drums you've ever heard. And the baby's like, Mom, don't eat, drink Coke, don't drink Coke, it's killing me. They, they come out like, you wonder why they're kicking and like, oh, so noisy. Anyway, that's beside the point. So every bit of nutrition that that baby needs is coming through what Kay eats and drinks. Her life source, her oxygen, her blood supply is coming from the source of the mother, from the womb, right? From her placenta. And so in him, if we're in him like this picture here, there is God. And the minute I receive Christ, I am placed in the center of God. And when I'm placed in the center of God, where God ends and where I start is a complete mystery. It's, it's no, there's nothing separate in it. I'm completely one with Him. And He's completely one with me. And we are one. This is a larger mystery. It's a larger reality. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Amen? Do you get that? Put up your hand if you don't get it. No one, of course. <laughs> See, I'm a bit of a teacher, Luke. I can teach a little bit, you know, in a fashion. So... So what can we do to change this Western way of thinking? Do we just like positive think? No, I'm in him, I'm in him, I'm not separate from him, you know, I'm going to do it. Or do we do we learn by revelation as Paul did, that Paul locked himself away for 14 years? I'm not saying go lock yourself in a, in a cave for 14 years. But I'm saying to get the revelation of being in him. We need to be with Him. Because when we're with Him, we get to understand Him. And when we're with Him, we get to understand us. And not only that, we get to understand our higher calling and purpose on this earth. See, Paul, he thought he had a high calling and a high purpose. Who's seen the movie... Uh, Risen. It's a new, oh man, it's good. You gotta watch it. Dog, it's good. Diggity dog. I did one of those just then, didn't I? Oh, diggity dog, it's good. 
No, it's really, really good. And the whole story is about, you know, a centurion or a centurion, isn't it? A tribune. That's a very deep voice. He's a tribune. He's a tribune. And, and so his job was to guard the body of Christ. I won't tell you at all because it'll spoil it. His job is to, to guard the body of Christ because he's heard that the followers have said that Christ is going to rise. And he's heard the, the rumors. So his job is to make sure that body goes nowhere. And of course, he doesn't have much success in that. <laughs> because you're not going to stop Jesus rising from the dead, you silly man. He put all these ropes around the, the rock and seals. and <laughs> oh, It's a joke. It's like the world right now. Like They're trying to stop God. We're trying to kick God out of schools, out of here, out of there. As if you could stop God. That's why he goes, <laughs> he just laughs. He just goes, really? Really? You know, you Psalm 2, Psalm 2. You know, they're scheming and he just laughs at it. And so this guy tries to stop, you know, the, this body from being stolen, he thinks. And of course, it, he rises from the dead anyway and the body's gone. Then it's his job to go find this body. Go find the body so we can prove to these people that he didn't rise from the dead. And so he goes on this journey and, you know, his journey's amazing and I won't tell you the end. <laughs> I want to tell you so bad, but I won't because Phil will tell me off later. He always says, Julie, spoil it for everybody. It's like, oh. Anybody ever give their kids Christmas presents early? Oh, it's so hard when the kids were little. I'd just wrap all the presents and I'd put them in the wardrobe and it'd be like, oh, it's four weeks till Christmas. Maybe they can just have one. Then I have to go buy more. Didn't I, girls? Always. Always, they got spoiled, rotten. Anyway, so that was his job. But he gets this revelation about the Christ. And the, re the thing is that he gets the revelation because he starts to hang around the people that are around him and then eventually gets to hang around Jesus himself. And he starts to get this revelation. You see, when you hang around someone, you get the revelation. You start to get who they are. Not when I feel like I'm separate from him and I'm just going, oh, God, you're up there and I'm down here. And, yeah, if you ever feel like visiting me and I'm sorry that I was really bad yesterday, but I feel like, you know, because you're always feeling separate. You're always feeling like you've got to pay some sort of price to get God. And then when you do blow it, you feel like, oh, now he's miles away. Now I'm just going to have to really, like, you know, work really, really hard to get him back because he's just moved further away. And I've blown it completely. Now there's this big gap between me and God. And I hear Christians say it all the time. Oh, I feel like God is so far away from me right now. No, God never moved. You just, your head just did. That's all that your head did. Because in Him, we're in Him. He's around us. We're in Him. It's like, whoa. He's like all around me. He's like, I can swim in Him. I can move in Him. He's like... That's why we get into the presence. We get into the presence of God and we're in His presence and we can just, you can feel it. Just like, you ever feel like just dancing like you're on air? It's like, is that just me? Like, yeah. Yeah, you let do. Yeah. Well, express yourself whatever way. But I like to dance. And then, and I, you know, can feel that He's all around me. Sometimes it's so tangible that He's around me. Like, you know, I really. Because why? Because my head thinks differently. I've, I've hung around him long enough. 
I've, I've been in those places. I've positioned myself in intimacy long enough to know that all I have to do is close my eyes and there he is. There he is. It's right there. It's just right there. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's right there. He's right there. He's all around me. He's all around me. His glory is all around me. And all I got to do is get in that place where I learn and I practice and I change my mind and I renew my mind to know that He is in me. And so when we hang around Him, we start to know who He is and we start to realize that He's good and that He's kind and that He's long-suffering, that He's not judgmental, that, that, that He is for us and not against us, that He is championing us on, that He is so blessed by us, that He loves us so much. You know, one day I'm driving along in the car and I'm listening to Van Morrison, that song, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? Have I Told You There's No One Above You? Fill my world with gladness. Take away my sadness. Ease my troubles. That's what you do. And I was singing it to God. Oh, God, you know, you take away my sadness and fill my world up. It was just so beautiful. And I'm singing to him. And he said, he said, be quiet, Julie. I said, pardon? I said, what? And he said, well, can I have a go? I said, oh, it's okay, God. And he said, oh, do you mind if I sing to you? And I, like, I went, wow, okay, and I'm driving. And then I hear God's voice start to sing, have I told you lately that I love you? Take away my sadness, ease my troubles, that's what you do. And I just like lost it, I just pulled over the side of the road, I'm just bawling on the street. You mean I ease your troubles, God? Like, do you ever think like that? Do you ever think that he's like so, so just blessed with you? that he wants to just tell you that you ease his troubles? Are you building his kingdom? Are you coming to church and loving each other? That you're supporting the ministry? That you're raising your kids in Christ? It's so beautiful, isn't it, Phil? And so when you hang around him, you get to know his nature. And then you get to know yourself because he starts to reveal who you are in him, not who you were before him. The devil will remind you who you were before him, but Jesus will keep reminding who you are in him because the umbilical cord to your past has been cut and he's attached you to the living God, to your original father. He's attached you. He's he's put you in the womb of God. And in him, you learn to live and move and have your being. So you get to know yourself. Because what he does is he he starts to speak to your mind, doesn't he, Luke? And where your mind in the past is, you know, I used to have terrible rejection problem, terrible. I mean, I've come from like, you know, four generations of three generations of stolen generation aboriginals. Can you imagine the rejection that's just in my family line, you know, of hiding, of secrets, of pretending that you're not aboriginal and 
My mother used to get told, say you're Indian if anybody asked. My mother was white, you know. Say you're Indian, you know, fear and trepidation, rejection. And then you just wonder, why am I, why do I feel rejected? Like, why do I feel rejection on me? Why do I feel fear on me? Why am I afraid someone's going to come and get my kids? I had no idea. I had no idea. And then I realized one day, this is what's been passed down to me. And then Jesus comes and Jesus says, Norbert, I've removed that from you. That's not yours. You don't have to wear your grandmother's fear. You don't have to wear your mother's rejection. You don't have to, you don't have to wear that. It's not yours. See, I have made all things new. Behold, everything's been made new. You are in me now. And I've attached you to my umbilical cord. There is no rejection in you. Deliverance. It may take a while to get that to sink in. It may take some prayer ministry. It may take some deliverance. It may, it may take some really radical positioning of yourself. Just say, God, I want to believe that with my whole heart. Please help me. What do I have to do to believe that? I know that it's true, but I don't get it. I don't believe it because I'm so indoctrinated with my past and with my, you know, with my own head that I was born with. Renew my mind. Wash my mind in your word, oh God. That's why it's so important to read the word of God. Wash your mind. Make it all new. You know, read what he says, what he says about you. Read the word of God. Read the Psalms. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear. You didn't give me a spirit of fear. My ancestors gave it to me. So what spirit have you given me? Love, peace, joy, sound mind. That's what you've given me. And so you take on the spirit that God gives you. And you reject the spirit that has been given to you. And you walk in God. Then as you get to know him... And as you get to know you, and as he begins to do such a work on you, to draw you to himself, then he begins to show you your divine and highest purpose on this earth. And let me say this. We're all called to be incredible human beings. We're all called to be good and kind to our people, to help people out, to love and be generous and we're all called to be married, to have great relationships. We're all called to raise kids. You know, that's just part of it all. But there's more. There is a high purpose for you as an individual. Why are you here? What is the very reason that you are on this earth? And this is what happened to Paul. This is also what happened to the disciples. I mean, they're just fishing. Fishing in Luke, I think it's 19, is it? Is it 19? Anyway, you know what it is. And they're fishing and they're, you know, suddenly Jesus turns up and they're catching lots and lots and lots of fish now because Jesus has come. Who knows when Jesus comes on the scene, suddenly your life becomes fruitful when he's around you. And they're catching lots and lots of fish. And then oh, I love this. I have to read to you. Yeah, one day when Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret, the, I'm going to probably go there soon. I better get it right. Hey, the people were crowning around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats and there by the fishermen um, who were fishing, oh, 
who are washing their nets. Oh, God help me. This is like 18 French, right? Yeah. And I'm still too vain to put glasses on. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, asked him to put out a little shore. Then he sat down. They got heaps of fish. And then he said, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, see positioning. Because you say so, I'm going to position myself. I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish and that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats to full. So much they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish people or you'll be fishers of men. So, one verse later, So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. I mean, why? Because somewhere in the sound of the voice of Jesus, they heard their higher calling. It was like when when they hung out with Jesus, when they got around him, they began to see, hang on, there's more to my life than than this. How many people say that? There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to my life than this. Surely I haven't just been born to go to work and come home and there's got to be more to my life than this. And you know what? You can go to work and come home, but if you're in him, what's going to happen when you go to work and come home? It's more, it's more like that. It's less like, oh, got to go to work another day. Can't wait. How many people put up? Oh, the weekend is here. Yay. Mondays. They even write songs about, I don't like Mondays, I want to shoot. You know, don't they? Shoot, is that what it says? Shoot the whole day down? Boom, Monday. But when we're in Him, and He's been with you, and you've been hanging out with Him, and then He says to you, it's Monday tomorrow. You know that girl in the office I've been putting in your heart? Do you know you're the light of the world? You know when you walk into your office tomorrow that that girl's going to feel that you've been with me and I've been with you, that we, that we are one? Do you know when you walk into that office, she's going to get a sense that the atmosphere is going to change? You know you've been trying to talk to her and she seems like there's a brick wall up, but you know what? When you go in tomorrow, because you've been around me, you've been hanging out with me, when you go in there Monday morning, that wall's coming down. And I'm going to open up that girl's heart. I mean, I, like when we're in him, it's a different... It's a whole different ball game. Our lives begin to take on a... You know, you don't have to preach the gospel and travel the world and have a pulpit to, to find your higher purpose in Him. Your higher purpose in Him is the best that you can be in Christ. Because we are here to change this world. We are here as the light of the world. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. What happens if the salt loses its flavor? You know, what happens if we just blend into society and just become nothings and start to agree with all this gray and start to go, oh, gray's fine. Well, it should be black and white truth. We are the light of the world. And when you hang out with Jesus, you'll start to see. The thing is this, and this is what I want to leave you with tonight. Position yourselves for these things. 
Position yourselves. Position yourselves. You know, when Jesus, when I saw Jesus, and I'm by myself in a lonely hotel room, I know nothing about God, I know nothing about anything. But I'm desperately praying that there's something out there that can help me in a desperate situation in my life. And I look in the corner of my room, a bright white light is there and the face of Jesus is looking at me. The kindest face you've ever seen in your life, the bluest eyes you've ever seen. He looks straight into your soul. Tyler, he looks straight in. It's not like he just looks straight in you. When he looks in you, he's looking for you. He's not looking for your rubbish. He's not looking for your stuff. He's looking for you and he looks straight in and he finds you, amen. And he speaks to me and there was no words, but but it was like when he spoke to me, it was like spirit to spirit. I could just hear what he was saying. And he said, speak my name and you'll be saved. I said, I don't know your name. And then suddenly, Jesus, I started to cry and cry. I didn't even know who Jesus was. This man with white hair and blue eyes, he's gorgeous. But whoever he is, I'm his. I'm like, I'm done. Like everything is his. I don't know who this person is. And he looks straight into my soul. And he says this to me, follow me. I didn't even hesitate. I didn't even have, there was no questions like, oh, where are we going? Like, what do you want? Like, what do I have to do? Like, follow you where? He just said, follow me. And I just went, yes, sir. Wherever you go, I'm going. I positioned myself. Now, I was earning a lot of money at the time. I was up for a Mo Award. I had recording famous. I'd worked, like my life was starting to take off. I was going to be famous. I'd worked since I was eight years old. I was 21 years of age, and I finally made it in the big time. I was finally getting the breakthrough. I was finally going to be famous. I had a, a sheik who owned half of London. He's saying, I'm going to buy you a recording studio. Yeah, anyway, we won't go there. And I'm thinking, this, I'm getting a breakthrough. I've got a mole war coming up. I'm starting to get my name known. I'm starting to get into newspapers and stuff. And Jesus says, follow me. Now, I could have just said, cool, I'll follow you. When you come and give me directions and tell me where I'm going and give me a map. But I knew in my heart of hearts, if I'm going to follow him, I need to position myself. And Phil will tell you, I went to all my agents all my management, and I said, as soon as this contract is, I had to finish my contract. As soon as this contract is finished, I'm gone. Where are you going? I don't know. What are you going to do? I have no idea. But I've fallen in love, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life, whatever it takes. I positioned myself, not even knowing. It's like Abraham. Abraham, you're going to a land. Where am I going? I'll tell you later. It's like, what? Position ourselves. And then when, when God spoke to us and said, I want you to pioneer a church in Wyong, and we're going, we didn't go, okay, well, give us the blueprint. How do you do it? What do you do with this thing? We haven't really done any church planning courses. We just went, yes, sir. 
And what did we do? We went and hired a church, a school hall, of course, ran it by all our leadership and got the blessing first. But then we went and hired a school hall, paid rental fee, stuck our kids at the door as greeters, another kid as the offering taker-upper, Phil played his guitar, I said, sang worship, and we preached, and we just positioned ourselves to do what God told us to do. And now 20 years later, we're here. Position yourself. What is it that is in you? What is it that's in you that can change this world, your world, your world around you? What is in you? What is it that God is trying to say? If you would just be still long enough, if you could just get your mind around the fact for one minute that you are in Him. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.